Shalom, everyone. Shalom. I want to welcome everyone to King James Bible University. I'm Elder Michael Johnson, and um, we're going to be going through today one of the unique parts of the Bible to to actually understand exactly um, the difference between a Christian and a believer. So for us to do this, we're going to have to go through the scriptures and we're going to go directly to what we want to understand. What is a Christian and what is a believer? And we're going to find this directly out through scripture. So we're going to look at, you know, the churches, the people, you know, they, they, they call themselves Christians. So we're going to take a close look at that because we have many people that also call themselves believers. So who's right? This is this is what we want to find out. Who is right? So based on scripture, we're going to get the answer directly what a Christian is and what a believer is. So let's get started. We're going to go through this and we're going to find out exactly what this actually means. So we're going to look at the first one. And the first one, it tells us in Acts 11, 26. It says, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So I want you to really understand that. And, and, and this is what we want to understand. Because the main part we want to hear understand here is this part here. And the disciples was called. Christians first in Antioch. And what do I mean with that? Well, we need to look at two verses. And I want you to keep this in mind at all times. So I'm going to put them up on top. One is John 10.35. We know the scriptures cannot be broken. Always keep that in mind as we go. The second scripture we're going to look at, we're going to look at Malachi 3 and 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Now we need to understand these two scriptures as we go through this study. Because if any one of these are broken, then we know that it's not the Bible that's broken, but it's the way that we interpret it or the way we try to precept this is where we end up coming incorrect. So it's not the Bible. It's the reader that don't understand if we go if something goes on wrong with those two verses. So why are they called Christians? This is a meaning that everybody needs to understand. To all people calling themselves Christian, they really need to understand this. No believer ever call another believer a Christian. This is the first thing we need to understand. They never did this. Non-believers call believers Christians. So we need to see what this means of his name. They went out preaching the good news first to the Jews only and later to the Greeks, which we'll find out what that mean also. So we're going to look at another piece to which is showing right here. It was called first Christians in Antioch to where we're going to get some information here. So let's look at Acts 11 and we're going to start at 17 because we're going to get the, we're going to get some background history on some of this. And it says, for as much then as God gave them and like the gifts as he had unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and was I that I could withstand God. When they had heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God saying, now this is, here go your key part right here. Then have God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Now this, if you notice here, it's talking about Gentiles. But if you look at the Gentiles, it's used loosely also with Greek. So when you see this mainly is in the New Testament and it's there for good reason. Now, here go the part you need to understand here. 
Next, next, next up, verse nineteen. Now they, now they which were scattered, Gentiles was not scattered. So they which were scattered abroad, upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled from far as Pence to Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but on, unto the Jews only. See, this is where this is where the problem is. So, when the Gentiles, if you can ever look in here, when was they ever scattered? You'll never see, you'll never find that in Scripture. That's one of the problems. But if you understand from the Old Testament, we we understand exactly what was going on there. But if you want to look at the scattered and who was scattered, what we're going to do? We're going to look at a verse. We're going to look at Deuteronomy thirty and three, and here it is. It says that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whether the Lord thy God has scattered thee. So we know clearly right here, he the one scattered us. He didn't scatter Gentiles. He scattered Jews. But where did he scatter us? And who were we scattered amongst? It's right here, Psalms forty-four, eleven. Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for me. Thou hast scattered us among the heathens. So this is where we were scattered among. So this is what we need to understand. So let's continue to move through here because now we know that he scattered us and we were scattered among the heathen. So as we understand this, we need to we need to make sure what is going on here now when we look at verse 20 it says and some of them were men of cyprus and cyrene which they were come to antioch spake unto the grecians we're going to find out exactly what that means in one second preaching to the lord jesus now i'm gonna pause here again because i want people to really understand exactly what's going on grecians is a location where well, Greece and Greek is a location of the inhabitants of the country of the really of the southeastern Europe. Biblical references to Greece and Greeks often is ambiguous, but in the Old Testament, some references understand what we're getting ready to understand. Some references have been understood to mean Greece or Greek. And the Greeks are from Javan, the fourth son of Japhet. Those were Gentiles. But that's not what this is saying here. So then we also, 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 when you go look at the table of nations in Genesis 10, as it identifies the father of the Greeks. When you look at uh, 10, 2, 4, you can look at uh, first, uh, first Chronicles 1, 5, and 7. You can also look at um, Isaiah 66, 19. You can also look at Ezekiel 27 and 13. But the name Greece occurs clearly, understand, clearly in Daniel 8.21. And let's look at that. We're going to look at that, Daniel 8.21, and it tells you right here. In the rough goat is the king of Grecia. And the great horn is between his eyes is the first king. Now, this is letting you know one part. But let's look at another part. Daniel 10 and 20. It says, Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come upon thee, and I know I will return and fight with the prince of Persia. And when I and when I am come uh, gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. So we know clearly it's telling us here where it's talking about Greeks. But if you look at 11 and 2, it mentions it again. But if you also look at Zechariah 9 and 13, now the Greeks are mentioned in also in Joel 3 and 6. But there were many other readers that mess up in the New Testament using the term Greek and believing that they're talking about Javan. And it's not. When it's clearly appearing in the special sense of Hellenists. This is what they were. That's why I said Grecians. These was Hellenists. These was Jews living as Hellenists in the cities, which you'll see in Acts 6 and 1, 9, 29, and 11, 20. 
So it's often used in the New Testament term Greek, which was used for non-Jews mainly towards Israelites, but Jews that recognized only Jews and non-Jews because they were split with the 12 tribes of Israel. So if they was if they was split, then most of them that was living in the Hellenist country, what that happened first, they'll sit there and just call them they'll just call them Gentiles because they was living as Hellenists, living as something else. But because these was uh non-Jews because they was a split of the twelve tribes, virtually it was synonymous with the Greek, with the Gentiles. When you read Romans 1, 6, 1, 16, 10, 12, you can also look in 1 Corinthians 1, 22, 24, Galatians 3, 2 and 3, and 3, 28. Now, sometimes the term Greek also refers to the language. When the language you'll see, when it refers to the language, you'll look at John 19 and 20. You'll look also like at Acts 21, 37. This is dealing with the language. You also deal with Revelations 9 and 11. Now, the term is used in Greek for the Seraphonician woman when you look at Mark 7 and 26. And this is to be in the cultural term. Now, in Acts, it reference, the reference are that made the Greeks in the synagogue eggs observers. Many think that, um, that these have been Greeks as such, although certainly is not possible when one reads Acts 14 and 1. It's imp impossible. 17.4, and also you'll see them over again in, uh, in, a, in 18 and, uh, and 4. So now we're going to finish this out, go down to verse 21. It says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas that should go as far as Antioch. And we're going to explain what this Antioch, why it's saying it this way. And what we're going to look at now, in verse 17, for as much as God gave them, like the gifts that they did unto us, who believed on the, on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I when I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held a peace, glorified God, saying, "Have then have God also the Gentiles granted repentance unto life?" So we have to understand what that what this is talking about. But it, it clears it up. Now they which were scattered abroad in the persecution came about Stephen. See, we are, we have to understand what all this is saying when you go down through here. But then when most people see when they travel through here, that it switched over when them Gentiles were there and it didn't. But if they literally think these Gentiles was the main ones of Javan, we're going to see once we get down to verse 22, when you see when he went as far as Antioch, we're going to see why Antioch is so different. So make sure you remember the Gentiles and make sure you remember Antioch. So what we have to remember in Antioch, in Syria, let's do a little side note. In Syria, in the river by um, Euphrates, which is about 16 miles from the Mediterranean. And it's about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. So it's the metropolis, really, of Syria. And then afterward, it became the capital of Rome. So then that's the providence of Asia, which back, and it was ranked the third highest in Rome and in Alexandria which was the point of importance of the cities in Roman, of the Roman Empire. This is why Antioch was so important. This is why they constantly went there. And it was the first city. It, it was actually called the first city of the East. This is where the gospel was introduced mainly to them on that side, calling believers Christians. Not believers themselves, but the non-believers was calling them that. That's why this, that's what all this is coming up about. But we're going to see why they professing this in here. Now we're going to go right back and we're going to look at this. And now we're going to start picking this completely apart. It's, now we look at Acts 11, 26. It says, when they found them, they brought them unto Antioch. And it came to pass when the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciple was called 
Christians for the first first in Antioch. Now we know that the name was called Christian first in Antioch. Christian people who believe in Yahushua or, or, or Christ Jesus, whatever one you want to use, who died up on the tree, who was buried, and he was raised on the third day. Now, this to them was complete nonsense. It was crazy. If you believe that, that, that was the problem. This is why they was called first Christians. Because this was complete nonsense. So they called them Christians, which to be proven in scripture what the meaning is today, which we had some problems before where people would say, well, it means stupid, it means this, and this is what I said in another teaching, and some of them had issues with that, but what we're going to do, we're going to prove all this in scripture today. So people think it means the term of love and, and of endearment and, and thinking that they, they, they reference in Jesus Christ all the time because they call themselves a Christian. We're going to see this is contrary to, to belief. Because people really think it do mean that. But believers do not give the name to themselves. But widely is used today is why they, is why it came up. And who and who you are claiming. So if you're claiming Christian, you and many of you guys are actually worshiping a false Christ. But we're gonna look at the place and look at the issue. And here we'll see where the so-called Christian was first called in Antioch. Because as I said, the first thing we have to look at is John 10, 35. The scriptures cannot be broken. Next, we know for I'm the Lord, I change not. So if we know this, we know we make sure we know this. So we need to know what the Christians was called first in Antioch for it, and then we're going to move to the, the next verse, what the Christians are. And this is where we're going to get over here to Acts 26 and 8. I mean 28. And this is where we're going to get into the meat of this matter and understand what is going on. Acts 26, 28. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. So King Agrippa was telling Paul he almost persuaded him to become a Christian. But why is he saying it this way? Most people thinking that, and they teach that this is coming as a term of endurement to where he almost just converted him. But this is not what he actually is saying. And we're going to find that out directly in scripture itself. This is the meaning, but let you find out some characteristics, which we're going to find out what is a Christian. Because we need to know what these characteristics are. Because King Agrippa said, thou almost persuaded me to become a Christian. So these qualities is belonging typically to a person or a place or a thing. That's what this is actually talking about. You almost persuaded me. So it's serving to identify of a Christian. So we need to identify the words in scripture that many people had the issue with that I, that I told them before. So let's get some time context on this here and we're going to see why he said a Christian. Let's find out why. Why, he, why. why King Agrippa used this word Christian. So let's go back and get some history. We're going to go to Acts 26. We're going to start at verse 1. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert. Understand what he's saying. He know King Agrippa is an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. So he knew King Agrippa was an expert in this. Now, as he goes through it, he says, especially because he know, uh, well, I just read that, wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which I was first among my own nation in Jerusalem, know all the Jews. Here it is which knew me from the beginning if if uh, if they would testify that after the most strictest set of our of our religion I lived as a Pharisee now we want to clarify this I want to make sure you clearly understand what a Pharisee is and this is why I'm a go this is why I'm going into this to where we're going to understand some of these things as we go through it to where when you go check it, 
you can you can always make sure that you know exactly what is going on all the time. So we're going to find out what is a Pharisee. And most people, you see it in your Bible, you, you most people don't know what Pharisee means. But we're getting ready to find out what a Pharisee is. A Pharisee holds on to a Talmudic classification of a Pharisee. And they hold on to the Talmud. It's the, it's the flip side of your regular Bible. Now, to some extent, it extends, it, it extends to the representation, basically, even unto the gospel. But it was said it has to be, and what most people really don't understand, the Talmudic, to which people believe into the Talmud, and you have a lot of people who hold on to Talmud-type religions, it falls into seven different classes. And I'm going I'm to lay these out for you. The first class is the shoulder Pharisee. This is one who wears his good deeds on his shoulder and obeys the precepts of the law, not from principle, but from expediency. That's the first one. We also have another one. You have the world, another one. The second one is wait a little Pharisee who begs for time in order to perform this monstrosious action that he's going to do. This is your second one. You have a third one who is the bleeding Pharisee who is with his eagerness he avoids looking over a woman shuts her eyes and he bruises himself in bleeding by stumbling against the wall. These are the type to where they, they, they want to wait a little while. They want to, you know, they don't want to, you know, they, they, they see a woman and they say they shouldn't look upon a woman in lust. So they'll, they'll close that, they'll do all kind of things. And that's your wait a little while Pharisee. Now these same terms I'm giving you, it's the same terms you even hear when you go into these Jewish religion places. This is the same stuff they will use. Now, this other one is what we call the painted Pharisee. And please believe me, these Pharisees or these Jewish people, they know what these terms are. So even if you bring it up to them, they know what these terms are. So it's not something that would be new to them. It might be something that's new to you, but it's not new to them. But the painted Pharisees is, is the one who advertises his holiness least and let everyone who should touch him that he should be defiled. You see this even in the Bible. You can even go over to Isaiah uh, 65 and 66. And they even tell you, they, they tell you the same thing. That's the painted Pharisee. Now we also have the reckoning Pharisee. He always saying what his duty and what he must do to balance his, 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 uh, you know, his unpalability of duty. In which he had neglected. See, we have, we have all these different Pharisees running. We have a sixth Pharisee who is a fearing Pharisee, one who relation to God is merely trembling in awe. We have many of them that's out there doing the same identical thing. Then we have that, that seventh Pharisee, and this is the one which even we have Pharisees even in the Israelite community. And this is the one of love. And all but the last one is that element of acting. Hypocrisy. That's the one. You got them people who are talking about this Jesus, 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 Jesus. How much they love him, this and that. And they do everything opposite of what the Bible says. This is a note also to the Talmud. It denounces the, these type of things. It's unconsciously that they root in the errors and the lies. And externally, and then they, they, they like to use their righteousness it commands an avoidance to abstain from which it equals opposing. So they, they, they so hypocritical, they doing one and telling they, they shouldn't be doing this one and they doing the other one. This is what a Pharisee it is. And you have many Pharisees and you're many, in, not just in synagogues, you also have them in your, also your churches. And same ones you have in your churches, any Sunday church you go to, they, this is what they performing right here is your seventh one. Because all of them going to tell you they love God. But Jesus tells you, if you love me, keep my commandments. But they, they don't keep any of those commandments. That's hypocrite. They being hypocritical all the time. And, and they'll sit there and they the first one want to go out and eat every type of food that they can get their hands on. Because they, they misinterpret and they don't look at the precept that's going on when that sheet came down. 
But let's pick it up. At verse 6, it says, Now I stand and I am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. And what and why she's talking about unto our fathers in the part that he, that he's actually who he's who Paul actually is talking to. He said, Unto unto which promise are twelve tribes. Not talking about nobody else. He's talking about twelve tribes. Instantly serving God day and night, hope to come for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. He's clearly letting you know who he's dealing with all the time. But let's keep moving forward. And we're going to, we're going to get some more understanding. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? See, this is this is what the problem was. That verily I uh, verily thought with myself I ought to do many things contrary to the name Jesus of Nazareth. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison. So he's working contrary against against Christ, and what, this is what he was doing before he end up he end up uh, running into Christ, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put it, put to death, I gave my voice against them, and I punished them off in in uh, in every synagogue. I compelled them to blaspheme. So he even got some of them to blaspheme against. Again, against the word of God. And this is what he's talking about. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. And whereupon I was went, I went to Damascus with the authority and commission from the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above brightness of the sun shining around and about me and them which journeyed with me. And when they were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, clearly Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou, thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So we know this is what how Christ ended up calling him. Let's keep moving. And then, and then and he said, thou art, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou prosecutest. But rise and stand up on thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for the purpose to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou have seen, and of those things which in which uh, I, I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles. Understand what that is. Understand what we're talking about. Gentiles. This is why they're called Gentiles. We're going to look at Maccabees in your pocket for why they don't like it in there. We're looking at Maccabees 1 and 41. It says, Moreover, King Antiochus, who also goes by Epiphanes, wrote to the whole kingdom that all should be one people. This is part of the problem. This is in your pocket for which most people are not running with. But in there, from the Gentile nation, it was clearly appearing, appearing saying Javan children, but being sent as Israelites, living as Hellenists, this again, Jews is in the Hellenist city. So in the order that this Greek, the King Antiochus or King Epiphanes did, this is what he did. And then we're going to also see this commandment of the king. Let's go over here and let's look at First Maccabees 1 and 50, why, do you, why, why was even more of a problem? Because he said there, and whosoever would not do according to the commandments of the king, talking about King Epiphanes, he said should uh, he should die. He's making this clear. They will die if they don't appear to these. And he was a, he was a Greek king. So now we're going to look at another piece right here. We're going to go to 1 Maccabees 1 and 57. It says, And whosoever was found with the book of the Testament, talking about the book of the law, and, or, or if any consented to the law, the king commandment was that he should be put to death. See, this was this was clear back then. So if they were if they was out there and they still holding on, 
other than what, what he told them, they was going to die. This was clear. This was clear in scripture. So we have to understand what was going on there. So now we're going to pick it up back over here where, where he's talking about this. It says, unto whom he sent thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Why? Because they was under epiphanies at that time. And as it switched over, as the Romans took over, some of these people, they don't know what was going on because they was under that rule for, for a while. So they knew if they was, if they go towards the Lord and going towards, you know, his commandments, laws, and statutes, they knew this could possibly happen. But Paul and them is going around talking completely different. So now we're going to go right back to it. It says, open their eyes un, uh, and, and turn them from darkness to the light and from the powers of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. How? Because what was in him was the laws of God when you look at also Jeremiah 31, 33. Because his laws was written upon our hearts. This is all he, This is all Paul is saying. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and, though, and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles, which he's talking about these people here was was acting as these 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 Hellenite these Hellenist Greeks, and they should repent and turn to God. That's why, because you never you can't see a Gentile who can repent and turn to God because they never known God. Why? Because you can't break scriptures. Because you look at Psalms one forty seven nineteen and twenty, and he only dealt with Israel. And then when you look at Amos three one and two, he only known Israel out of all the families in the earth. So this. If we end up saying these are the actual Gentiles, and that is Javan from Javan, now we know we're breaking scripture. Because this is not what Paul is saying. Paul is talking about these Hellenist Greeks. So, so now we're going to continue. It says that they should repent and turn to God and do the works that meet for repentance. For, the, for this cause, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. So this was his problem. Now let's get down to the main verses. And then it says, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue until this day, witnessing both to the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses. So he's holding on to both prophets and then the laws of Moses said, uh, did say should come that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should be raised from the dead. This is what he's talking about. This is one reason we're going to get into what he's talking about the Christians. That he should be the first that should raise from the dead and that he showed light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Those Hellenist, those Hellenist Jews acting as Greeks. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus, understand what Festus is getting me to say. Festus said, with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning had made thee mad. Why did he say that? Let's look at it. He's saying because what he's talking about up here, he's saying it done made him, it done made him mad. But Festus was actually claiming this here, Ecclesiastes 12 and 12. See, because it says, and further by these, my son, be admonished. For the making of many books, there is no end. And as much study is, is a weariness on the flesh. They think he didn't learn so much because he was a Pharisee. Paul said on the Gamaliel. In Gamaliel, you have to know the first five books verbatim by heart. This is what he knew. They knew what, it, they knew what Paul was about because many of them watched Paul grow up. But on this here alone, we have to understand exactly what he was dealing with. So when he's saying... That he, at much learning, has made him mad. Understand what Fessus is saying. Mad means crazy. This is a characteristic of what the word means is what? Christian. But watch, he's going to clarify it. So we know that if you're mad, you're crazy. But watch, let's look at verse 25. But, it, but he said, I am not mad. 
most noble Festus. But I speak forth the words of truth in soberness. So now it's also tied to drunkenness. So now we know it got mad, and he's talking about his soberness. So we know it's so we know Christian can't mean those. If that's what they're using today. But see, this is how they're using that term. So they Festus think he's mad. Paul saying that's not him, and he's and he also claiming he's not drunk. So for the king knoweth these things before whom I speak freely, I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? See and watch watch how Paul goes. I know that thou believest. Then King Agrippa said unto him, Almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. So we know right here, this clearly just talking about, he's not being drunk, he's not anything, but Paul said so many things that, that sounded so believable to King Agrippa, he said, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. But why did he say it that way? Because we're going to look at 1 Peter, and this is what's going to clear everything up here. Because 1 Peter makes it clear. And these are the only three parts where you see Christian at. It says, yet, if any man, if any man, make sure you understand, any man suffer. Here's your key word right there. As. So most people mix up what as is. So if any man suffer as, but let's look at this. As is a preposition conjunction adverb. It's a it's a it's a um, it's a comparative. So it's used in an expression that compare two things, person groups or qualities. That's what that's what as mean. This is the problem with most preachers and teachers. They make they mix it up today. So it's saying you suffer as a man suffer as a Christian. What do what, what was it saying? He was mad, drunken. This is what he was being claiming. So this was the main part. And he said, suffer as a Christian. Now the main part of it is, which can't change, Christian derives from Cretans. That's the original word that it was used. And Cretan is a stupid, vulgar, mad, drunken, fool, foolish, insensitive person. The origin of the etymology of Cretan come from the French Cretans, but then you can also innocent victims. And it mainly, you'll see right there, it tells you clearly right there from the Latin Christian. It's clear as day. You can actually even go look it up. It's right there. If you go to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, you can look up Cretans. You'll see it for yourself. It's right there because this is what he was actually saying about him. This is what Agrippa was saying. You almost made me become one of these people. You almost made me suffer this other thing. So once you read it out, it says, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So all he's really saying is, if any man suffer as a drunkard, if any man suffer as a foolish person, if any man suffer as a madman, if any man suffer as a stupid person. This is what he's saying. He's using that comparative. That's why if any man suffer as a Christian, that Christian, all you have to do is replace Christian with what the meaning of it is. If you suffer as a mad, drunken person, that's what this is saying. If you suffer as a foolish person, this is what it's switching up as. So this is the part. And then it said, be not ashamed. So if you, so the main thing still is, if you suffer persecution, meaning the hostility or ill treatment, that's all that's saying. And what, and what do we know? Stupid people going to get ill treatment. Drunken people get ill treatment. Foolish person get ill treatment. Mad, crazy person get ill treatment. That's all, that's all they're saying. Because if you suffer as, if you suffer in persecution as a crazy person, the same as a drunk person actually mean that's actually the meaning of of of, of uh, a Christian. It's not saying to be to if uh, it's not saying if if uh, if you suffer being a Christian, it says suffer as a comparative. 
as in being mad, crazy, or a Christian, be, be not ashamed. They'll be grouped with the same thing, but they never call themselves a Christian. This is the thing, but people call themselves, well, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a hold on to the Christian, and literally they never call themselves Christian, they never put that claim on themselves. This is what other people did. Why? Because as they sitting there saying that they believe that Yahweh Shah, Jesus Christ, he died, buried, and raised up. They say, this man, you got to be crazy. You got to be mad. Something's wrong with you. This is what they'll say. But we know that's not true. This is where that faith kicks in. But this is what they say, and they're not going to believe it. So they called so they called them Christians. Saying the same thing. Mad, crazy, foolish person. That's that mean the same thing. But what they have done today is change these words as we change words in this day and time. Same as you see a sodomite, homosexual, they what they what they have done. They have changed that to now. You can see in today's time it'll say gay. And it wasn't gay back then. So we have to understand what, what, what scripture is saying. So he's just saying, and don't be ashamed. So with that, you know, we have, we 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 went through that to understand what this is saying. So if you're proclaiming a Christian, or you have a church proclaiming a Christian, you really need to think of where you're sitting at, because this is because because they truly is not understanding, not even the words that they're reading. But we'll say this always here, and while we're getting ready to close out. It says, whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make understand doctrine? Them. Make sure you know them. Who are them? That are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. But I say this to where we can always get the main thing because them told you when you believe you're a Christian. This is mad, stupid, and foolish. The believers say you will suffer as a fool or people think that you're stupid, believing that Christ died and he raised. This is all the saying. So we must be a fool or a stupid person. That's all that's all that's all this is. Believers again never call themselves Christians. The world did. Now in no time a believer ever called a follower of Christ a Christian. Now everyone is stating they're Christians today. They stating they're fools. When the believers never call themselves fools. I'm not calling you one. You calling yourself one if you if you believe you're one. So to them that get it wrong, and you have many that, that are going to continue to get it wrong. We have many who want to continue to learn and learn more about how to actually precept scriptures and understand scriptures. You know, we 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 sat with uh, with the university and the university which we're going to start doing these Bible studies, which you'll come in, and same as we always do, there's no charge for what we do on that, but it will be in a private area. But you'll never be charged, and there's no books, extra books you ever have to buy, because this is something that, that the Lord is not pleased with, where they charge people to do these special studies, like they're getting this special thing, and, and then you pay a little money. No, it's going to be in another area, but people who will be able to apply for it, we're going to get into that. So... With that, we're going to go into the deeper study, but I, but it's something I do want you to see. We're going to look at this 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 this, this Sarek and this prelude from from the wisdom of Jesus, the son of Sarek. So it's not from 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 Yahweh who you think, but we're going to get the understanding on this and see what this was written on. It says, "Whereas many, where whereas many, and great things that has been delivered unto us by the law and the prophets." And by and by others that have followed their steps, for for the which thing Israel ought to be commanded for the learning of wisdom. Please understand what this is talking about. And there, and whereof not only the readers must need become skillful themselves. See, this is very important. So the reader themselves must become skillful. But also they that, de that desire to learn to be able to profit them which are without both by speaking and writing. My grandfather Jesus, when he had much given himself for the reading of the law and the prophets and other books of our fathers, 
and had gotten therein good judgment withdrawn on us also uh, himself to write something pertaining to learning and wisdom to the intent that those which are desirous to learn and are addicted to these things might profit much more in the living according to the law. Wherefore, let me meet and treat you to read it with favor and attention and, and to pardon us wherein we may seem to come short of, of some words which we have labored and interpreted. For the same thing uttered in Hebrew is translated into other tongues have not the same force in them. The reason he actually has this there because most people will still give you the wrong translation what it's saying in Hebrew because it don't have the same force when it was saying in Hebrew. It's, it's just plainly blunt. And it says not only these things but the law itself and the prophets and the rest of the books have no small difference when they were spoken in their own language. For the eighth and thirteenth year coming unto Egypt, when when Origenes was king, continued uh, there some time, I found a book of no small learning. Therefore, I thought it it's most necessary for me to bestow some diligence and trivial to interpret it, using great watchfulness and skill in a space to bring the book to an end. So he's talking about he, he, he took that time to where he went through and he started precepting this book. And to set forth in them, to set forth them also, which in strange country, which that's where we are, are willing to learn, being prepared before the manners of life after the law. Now the skillfulness in, in explaining that he was taking about, you know, this is what we'll be starting. We'll be doing a, uh, a Torah Bible study class, which we're going to be coming. And, um, and many people, it's no, you know, they don't have places to worship. They don't have places to where they can sit and actually go through scripture and actually even question. And we go through and we share scripture together to go through it, to get a, a total understanding of those verses to where you can start becoming really skillful. So the Most High have made a way for us in the class that we'll study be based on precepts of Scripture, meaning to understand the, the precepts of Scripture itself. Tie the New Testament Scripture to the laws and the prophets and vice versa. And where it came from. The Bible states it is written over 80 times and Yahweh or Christ said it over 17 times. But people never thinking where, where it came from. And, it, and it's only said why. And the example is this one. That I really I always hone in on people when I do this. Uh, and I challenge you. You go to Matthew 2.23. And it talks about some prophets. And I, and, I, and I encourage you just to go there yourself. Go to Matthew 2.23. And it talks about some prophets. And it showed me the verses that said that he would be called a Nazarene. Because it, it's talking about Old Testament. This is most times you can even take to pastors. They can't even figure this one out. Matthew 2.23. And just tell me where it's shown at. Please show me that. This is what you will be learning. And this is one of the simplest ones. But then you're also going to learn how to never use commentary. To where to where you, there's no really need to use dictionary. The Bible itself is a dictionary in a commentary built within itself. So if you're looking for a study place and you want to really learn how to go through scripture and get those understandings, then, then I say what we need to do is go through it. And then I've had time to where I was able to get this up there with Matthew 20, uh, 2.23 to where it tells you right there. It says, And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. You see that there? It's plural. Prophets. So it's quite a few of them said it. He should be called a Nazarene. Please find that for me. If you can, this is something that will be really interesting. But if not, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put my email up there to where we can all look at it. You can get it. And what you want to do 
you want to email me and say that you want to join the Bible study, the Bible study class or the Torah class was going to be starting and what you want to do and you want to put that in the subject heading Torah study class that's what you want to start and once once we get your name we're going to put you in to where you're going to have a, a code and everything to come in on the days that we're going to prescribe I mean mostly right now we got it set for, for, for early morning Sabbath days to where we're going to be going through the Bible and the Bible study isn't what you will see. That that's normally how you see these normal forms where they're set out, where they dictate to you what the Bible says. What we do, we go through this study to where you get an understanding all the way through it. To where once we go through it, to where questions going to go back and forth, and everything has to be answered based on precepts. So this will make you sharper and make you a, a, a very quick learner, and you would you would learn leaps and bounds in the time to where now you'll be able to go through God's word and know those studies so with that i wish that you guys continue to do the studies but if there's something that you're really interested in the class going to fill up pretty pretty quickly but what i'm what i'm trying to make sure of is i want to make sure that we get most of the people from the united states so this is why i did it really at this time here over here because when it's done on the uk side it'll fill up most likely before I even get off off the air so if this is something that you want to do please sign up go right to my email put right in the subject heading Torah study class and then we're gonna sign you up and then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna set that date to where everybody gonna come in and we're gonna start going through some scripture and every week you will have some work to be putting in and all your work gonna come directly from your Bible this is something that you will not be paying for this is something that, you know, for for what we have to remember, the Bible is not something that you charge people to make money off of to learn about the Most High. The Bible is something to where we need to sharpen you to where we you can sharpen the next person. That's what this is for, to where we can all go grow, grow together and to where we can go to where once we get to the end, it wasn't something to where we looking for where we got payment on people but we're looking for the Lord, which you'll be looking at uh, uh, 1 Peter 5 and 4. Because you want that crown of glory. You don't want no filthy lucre, which is in 1 Peter 5 and 2. So with that, I wish that you guys was edified with this study. But I challenge any, anybody who have anything saying that a Christian is still okay, which is technically impossible. Because we was never called Christians and uh, another person calling a Christian. Believers were called believers, followers of Christ, or followers. Never called a Christian. So with that, I bid each and every person a shalom.